Man, I am so glad to see you guys. I just couldn't wait to get here today. For man, I, I, you ever have those days you go, I just need to worship Jesus. Man, I can't wait to get to church because I need to be with God's people and I need to worship Jesus. Because, you know, there are days that things happen that we just don't get. You know, I mean, you ever had those days you just go, man, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get that. You know something I don't get? I don't get why people start decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving. I, I mean, I don't get it. I, I'm a Thanksgiving guy. I like Thanksgiving. I mean, don't impede on my holiday. You know what I mean? You keep the stuff up until after Thanksgiving. But in our home, we got a little tension because Jenny would decorate in July. I mean, man, she loves Christmas. There's always, ever since we've been married, this little bit of tension. I just do whatever you want. I just ask this one thing. Let's at least get past the Thanksgiving meal. You want to start on Thanksgiving night? Do it. I mean, which we usually do. So there's been this tension in our house for a long time. My son, Stephen, knows about this tension. He lived it. So he sent me a meme um, the day before Thanksgiving, and it's, <laughs> it, it was a picture of Santa holding a shotgun, and it said, every time someone decorates a Christmas tree before Thanksgiving, Santa kills an elf. <laughs> I thought that was so great, man. I mean, it was so great. Now I get it. Some of y'all are thinking, you should, you should think that's funny. You shouldn't even have brought that up. Santa would never kill an elf. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's just funny. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I just thought that was fantastic. You know, there are trivial things, you know, like that that make us go, yeah, I don't get that, but... Sometimes life throws things at us that we really don't understand, right? I mean, nobody, nobody last Sunday thought Ronnie Bullens would be in heaven right now. A few months ago, I called my dad, who, who knows more about the Bible than any one human being I've ever known, and, and I asked him a Bible question, and he couldn't answer it. First time in my life. Now hospice is there, and they said maybe a week, maybe not a week. And I can barely have a conversation with dad. You, you know, you just go, I don't really get that. I mean, I, I believe the promises of heaven. I hope dad goes there today. But there are times in life, right, where you go, I don't understand, God. I hope you know this, that there are things um, we're just not ever going to know. We're not ever going to understand this side of heaven. There are things about God we just go, God, why'd you do that? God, I don't understand that. Why didn't you do that? We all have those moments, right? Um, but, but I hope you know this. God's not hiding, and God wants us to understand all kinds of things about him that's hard for us to understand. God wants us to know him. God wants us to understand him, but sometimes... It's hard to get there. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
that chapter in the Bible just gives us some real helpful instructions to help us grow in our understanding of God. Because God wants us to know him and understand him. And he really does have a plan, and it's a good plan. And there are certain things that we need if we're really going to grow in our understanding of God. Um, so here's the first one. To grow in our understanding of God, write this down. We need God's wisdom to understand God's plan. First Corinthians 2 verse 6 says, Yet when I am among mature believers... I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. Now, just stop right there. So Paul's just making it real clear. There's, there's two kinds of wisdom. I mean, and he's saying God really does have a plan. Life is not just multiple random things colliding together daily. We have a sovereign God who has a plan who is in control. And that should give us so much confidence and so much hope. God really does have a plan for this world. God really does have a plan for this church. God really does have a plan for you and your family. God God not only has a plan, he also gives us everything that's necessary for us to understand his plan. Um, So can I say the obvious thing? We're not the source of true wisdom. God is. And Paul just starts out in verse 6 just saying, man, when I'm around mature believers, I'm speaking with wisdom. But it's not the wisdom the world has or the rulers of this world because they're soon going to be gone. I'm talking about the wisdom that comes from God. There are two kinds of wisdom. There's worldly wisdom, and there's wisdom that comes from God. James, I made this real clear in James chapter 3. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. Because if you're wise, you know what that means? You understand who you are, and you understand who God is, and the only possible posture to take when you understand who God is and who you are is humility. I'm not God, right? But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Wow. Two kinds of wisdom. God's wisdom that is far greater than we can imagine that drives God's plan and drives God's love for us and drives God's heart for us. And then there's worldly wisdom. People who think they get it and they don't. It's demonic. All right, back to 1 Corinthians, verse 7. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that, we pre- that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. So in verse 7, man, that is a loaded up verse. Three really important things in verse 7 uh, about God's plan. Um, it was a hidden mystery. It, it, it is for our glory 
and it exists before the world began. So verse 7 says, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden. (laughs) But now it's revealed. And it's revealed in Christ Jesus. And it's God's plan of redemption, God's plan of salvation that was hidden in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. Although there were some people who got it, some of the prophets got it. I mean, when you read Isaiah chapter 53, I mean, it's like reading a blow-by-blow account of Jesus hanging on the cross of Calvary. And it, it clearly points out the atoning uh, power of the cross to take our sin. It was our sin that he bore. It was our grief that he... I mean, man, you, sometimes you get glimpses of that in the Old Testament uh, from people who understood God. But for the most part, it was hidden. The mystery was God's plan of salvation through his son, Jesus. And the second thing... Verse 7 says about God's plan is um, it's intended for our ultimate glory. I mean, what is that? Because I I thought all glory went to God. So when does it say it's for our ultimate glory? Well, here's why. So when, when we think about our salvation, God's plan for our salvation, we should think about it in three phases. There's justification, that's when we're born again, that's when we believe, that's when we're saved. Um, And just think about like this, our justification saves us from sin's penalty. I mean, when we become a believer, when we are saved, God holds us in our hands and the scripture says, no one can take us from his hand. We are saved and we are going to heaven, nothing can stop that, not all the powers of hell. Hell is out of the equation when we are justified. Aren't you glad about that? But think about this. There's kind of another phase of salvation, our sanctification. Just think about that in terms of spiritual growth. So when we are saved, we're saved from sin's penalty. Sanctification is a process, the process of becoming spiritually mature. And our sanctification is where we're saved from sin's power. So on an ever-increasing basis, the more I get to know and understand God, the more I get understand the power of the Holy Spirit in me to resist sin and grow in the, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, my sanctification means I'm continually saved from sin's power. But ultimately, now here, here's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in verse 7. Ultimately, I'll be glorified where I'm saved from sin's presence. When I get to heaven, sin's no longer an issue. I'm perfect. There is no sin in heaven. Everything in heaven is perfect, including me. Man, aren't you, aren't you glad you get to go to heaven? Man, where there's no more stuff, where there's just perfection, no sin, no death, no crying, no sickness, no harm, none of that, all of that is gone forever. So when we think about our salvation, we should think about when I'm justified, boom, I am no longer going to hell, nothing can change that, I'm on the road to heaven. Our sanctification means, man, continually I'm saved from sin's power, but one day I'm going to be glorified and I'm going to be perfect, sinless. God is going to do that for me. So so when verse 7 says, 
He made this place mystery that was revealed that God's plan of salvation ultimately is for my glorification. That's God's plan. That's God's plan for me. That's God's plan for you. That's God's plan for everyone who will believe. And then verse 7 also says uh, about God's plan that it began before the world began. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, you think about that. In, in, the, in the book of Revelation, you kind of get this picture um, in chapter 13 uh, about the Lamb's book of life. And, and it says that the Lamb, Jesus, wrote our names in the Lamb book of life, everybody who's ever been saved, before the foundations of the world. I mean, think about that, right? So before he created anything, he already knew everybody who would put their trust in him. He already knew there would be sin. He already knew there'd be a cross. He already knew all of that. And he already knew who would believe. But he wrote it down way back then. But we still have to believe. We still have to have faith. I'm just telling you, man. God's plan... The atoning work of Jesus on the cross was written in the heart of God and in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world. That's how much God cares about you. Before I do anything else, I'm going to make sure that I take care of my children who believe me. Wow. Hmm. But... The world doesn't believe for the most part. In fact, go back to 1 Corinthians, look at verse 8. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. There it is. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Stop right there. I mean, this is the pinnacle of people's lack of wisdom and stupidity. God shows up to save us. We kill him and nail him to a cross. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. That's why Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive them for what? They know not what they do. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. God was far from them. But I'm here to tell you, God has a plan And in the wisdom of God, the plan included God himself becoming a man, Jesus. What an amazing act of grace and mercy and love. This demonstration, God becoming flesh just to die for us, is the ultimate act of grace and mercy and love. But we in our own wisdom, could never understand that. Look at verse 9. That's why the scripture, that's what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. You can't get your mind around that. By the way, that verse 9 is also gives us a little glimpse into heaven. 
know, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about heaven. I think that's intentional because in, if, in human words, if we tried to describe heaven, it's so lacking. I, I think that's why when God took the apostle Paul to heaven, that he wouldn't let him write about it. Because before our glorification, it's impossible to understand how incredible it is. It takes that, the perfection of glorification, to understand the glory of heaven. So we get these little glimpses, but here's one of them. The scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Whoa. And this place is more amazing, more spectacular than anything we can ever imagine. And that is God's wisdom carrying out God's plan. Hmm. But we can't do that by ourselves. We can't get that by ourselves. We can't understand that by ourselves. Understanding God's plan is, write this down, is not about human intellect. You know, human intellect is knowing and processing information. You, you can't get God's plan simply with human intellect. Here's another thing. It's not about human wisdom. So human intellect is how we get and process information. Human wisdom is what we do with that information. But you can't be smart enough to get this. You can't be wise enough to get this. Here's why. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. God's plan can never be understood exclusively with human wisdom. It must be understood through the life, death, resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Even the pinnacle of human wisdom is nothing compared to the Lord God Almighty. The, the, the most brilliant people who have ever lived cannot in and of themselves understand the scope and the breadth and the power and the love of God. Look, look at this. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. They, can't, they don't get it. They can't. But we who are being saved know it's the very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's most brilliant debaters? Where does it leave them? It leaves them lacking. It leaves them far lacking. You see plan of God requires the wisdom of God to get it, to understand it. But God wants us to know him and God wants us to understand his plan. So he reveals himself to us and he gives us his very wisdom so we can know it. To grow uh, in our understanding of God, we also need this. Write this down. God's spirit to understand God's truth. So the Father gave us the Son. The Son gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us in three ways. Um, so God's 
Spirit reveals God's truth, write this down, first, through revelation. Uh, So when I say revelation, I mean the way God reveals himself to us. And the Holy Spirit uh, reveals God to us. Um, Look look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things. What things? What was hidden, a mystery, in the old covenant now is not a mystery. Jesus came. Now we know he died. He rose again. He is our living hope. But look now. But it was to us, us right now even, that God revealed these things by his spirit. The the mystery of God's plan. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep Secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. Although sometimes it sure does seem like Jenny can read my mind. But no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. So it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. And the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us in two ways. Um, In general, what we call just general revelations. Look at Romans 1 here. Um, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. I mean, God's saying, I made this world. And, And That should be enough for us to at least go, somebody did this. Life is just not that random. There is order. There is purpose. We see it all around us. And that should make us go, wow, this is God revealing himself to me in in a general way. Now, you, you know, obviously, um, you're not going to go hug a ponderosa pine and know about the cross. I mean, that's not what it means. It just means, but there is something there that the Spirit reveals to us that, that kind of drives us to know more. So we don't have an excuse, God says. We also um, have God revealed to us in a very specific way. So two things really, the living word and the written word. So the living word is the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Um, in the beginning was the word. This is the living word. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, the word already existed and the word was with God and the word was God. And how do we know that's Jesus? So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. So we know the living word is is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit reveals God through his son. But also through the written word. That's the Bible. So God not only reveals himself to us specifically through Jesus, but also through the written word, the scripture. That's why there are times when it feels like 
Death is winning. You ever have those times? But Jesus, in his love and grace and mercy, reminds us death doesn't win. He conquered death. Jesus is the death conqueror. And death doesn't win. And in those moments where you desperately need that, it's enough. And God reveals himself through his son. But God also reveals himself in the power of the Holy Spirit through the, the Bible. Hmm. So that leads us to the next thing here. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to us through inspiration. So 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Holy Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. The words, three times in two verses, words, that's the Bible. The, the Holy Spirit's work of inspiration is about writing the Bible. The, the very words of the Bible are inspired by God. Look, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired. So it's the word inspired, it's a Greek word. It's pneumos theos. Pneumos is breath, air. Um, so if you have pneumonia, it's you have lack air, right? So all scripture is inspired, breath, theos, God. All scripture is inspired, is God Breathe. It's from the lips of God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the Bible comes from God to us, but did it just fall out of the sky? No. So if God breathed it, how do we get it? Well, here's how. 2 Peter 1.20. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. Neither the prophets nor the apostles just sat down and said, you know what, I think I'll write a gospel today. No, 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 no. It was not their own initiative. No human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So, both the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write God's Word. And it's an amazing thing, the Bible. Because the Holy Spirit inspired them, but not just, you know, like they went into a trance and just, you know, not like that. But used their personalities and their life experiences. And the Holy Spirit in them 
directed them to write exactly what God wanted them to write using all of their stuff that God gave them. Because when you read the Bible, it's very personal, right? But did it in a way where he kept them from error to give us all these centuries later exactly what we need. It's an amazing thing. The, the, spirit, of the, God, the spirit of God and the word of God teach us to understand God. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God always work together. The Bible didn't just fall out of heaven. God used people, human authors, to write it, but they were guided exactly by the Holy Spirit to write exactly what God wanted us to have. So that's why you got to be really careful. You got to really be on guard. I have to really be careful. I have to really be on guard. When people try to separate the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, those things are welded together. For instance, you know, if, if somebody always tells you something, you know, like, well, the Holy Spirit told me, 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 and the Holy Spirit told me isn't followed with a Bible verse, be very careful. Because that could be anything, right? I mean, that could be a bad burrito. That could be all kinds of things that have nothing to do with God. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Word of God, and those things are linked. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us, guides us. It's not necessarily a verse, but it never, ever, ever contradicts a verse. Because they're linked. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us through illumination. Um, this is about the Holy Spirit who lives in every believer to show us God's truth. So, let, let's think through that. The Holy Spirit, author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. And the Holy Spirit connects those dots, connects those things that is illumination. Um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others because we can evaluate all things because the truth of God reveals us the truth about all things. But somebody else who's an unbeliever, they can't evaluate us because they don't have the Holy Spirit to guide them through that evaluation. Verse 16, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> wow, isn't that great, man? I mean, so has this ever happened to you? You're reading the Bible, and you just have an aha moment. I mean, you go, whoa, look at that. I never saw that before. I never really understood it before. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who authored the Word of God, ultimately, Teaching you, illuminating your mind to the truth of God's word, connecting all of those dots, 
That is illumination of the Holy Spirit to illuminate your mind to the truth of God. And he reveals truth to us that way. So as believers, the Holy Spirit lives in us and teaches us to have the mind of Christ. We can't do that on our own. We can't do that by ourselves. Understanding God is something we receive, not something we achieve. Did you know it's possible to study the Bible? Do it for years, memorize whole books of the Bible, and still not understand it. I mean, the perfect example of that are the scribes and the Pharisees and the Gospels. I mean, they knew the Word of God better than anybody. And they completely missed its most central message, the Lord Jesus. They completely failed to recognize the promised Messiah when he came and lived among them. You you see, God's word is spiritually evaluated. God's word is spiritually discerned. God's word is spiritually understood. Look what Martin Luther said. The Bible cannot be understood simply by study or talent. You must count only on the influence of the Holy Spirit. Look what John Calvin said. Uh, The testimony of the Spirit is superior to reason. For these words will not be obtained, uh, will not uh, obtain full credit in the hearts of men until they are sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. Mm. So God, in his incredible love for us, And his boundless mercy for us. Wants us. To know and understand him. Wants us to know and live out his plan. But we can't. We're too limited. So God put on flesh. And came so we could know him. So he could die for our sin to eliminate the barriers. And then he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit in us when we believe. So we can know him. So we can understand his word. we can get it about who he is and what he does so I just want to leave you with three things to remember here's the first one you can never get enough information to know God it's impossible knowing and understanding God is a work of the Holy Spirit you know I kind of like kicking around theology with people and you know I don't even mind a good hearty theological debate kind of like a theological boxing match you know but I can tell you this I've never one time argued somebody into the kingdom because it's impossible to give just the right information to make just the right argument Because that's a work of the Holy Spirit. 
Second thing to remember. God wants to teach us amazing things if you'll open your heart and your mind to him. You know, the Holy Spirit of God wants to show and teach us so much. But now listen. The Holy Spirit will reveal nothing to a closed mind and a hard heart. Last thing to remember. You have to humble yourself to learn from God. A surrendered heart is always the key to knowing and understanding God. In fact, it's just a great rule of thumb, man. When life feels a little quirky, man, when, when it feels like you just don't know what to do and, and you believe God is near and you love God and you want to understand what it is God wants you to do, but it just feels like you're disconnected. When you're there, check your heart because 90% of the time, it's our own pride. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We think we just don't need God that much. But a surrendered heart, a humble heart, is the key to really knowing and understanding God and God's plan and God's wisdom. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you just got before God and you took all of your pain and all of your questions and all of your fears and all of your anxieties and you just took them to God and humbled yourself and just said, God, Whatever. Whatever you want to teach me, I'm listening. Whatever you want to do with me, I'm ready. Wherever you want to send me, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Because nothing can compare with your wisdom and your heart and your truth and your love for me. And I will trust nobody the way I trust you. God, whatever here. Maybe it's time you do that. So let's do it. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Can you right now All those pains, all those questions, all those fears, all those anxieties, all those doubts that you have talked to dozens and dozens of people to about, all that stuff that you have applied every ounce of truth you can muster to, but it hadn't been God's truth. It hadn't been God's wisdom. Can you right now just say, God, I am humbling myself before you right now because I want to know you more. I want to understand your plan. 
So here, God, here's my life. Whatever you say to do, I'll do. Wherever you say to go, I'll go. I trust you. Father, thank you for the wisdom you give us in your word. Jesus, thank you for the truth you offer on the cross. The mercy that you poured out. Holy Spirit, thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. But you lead us into all truth. You are our teacher. So teach us, please. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's stand and worship.